You know, it's really funny that we literally just did a podcast, our last one, with a Pac-12 writer and talked to him about the Pac-12 and talked to him about USC specifically in the Pac-12 and, and UCLA, two teams that Auburn, you know, Auburn football and basketball are going to play in the near future. And then, like, I, I mean, it was, shoot, less than a few hours after that episode went up. It was like, hey, how about this? It's not going to happen like like you think. I, it's, I I don't know how to react to this other than laughing at it because I think if I take anything seriously about it, I'm just gonna get irritated. Does Spencer have to eat a hat? I think he does. He's supposed to be eating that hat. I gotta figure out when. Like, and he and that 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 came through quick because like it was reported. Uh, by the by the um, by John Wilner like a few hours before it was like made official like when it came out it was like oh you know and when a guy like that you know when it, when a big name college football um, newsbreaker says stuff like that and reports it and then you know others immediately confirm it it's like yeah this this, this is how it already happened and it's just it just so happened to leak to you at that at that time um it's hilarious. It's hilarious to think that USC and UCLA are going to have to play Rutgers in like volleyball or, you know, softball, uh, I guess, uh, what's track and field. Like, I don't, like, I don't even know how all this works. It's so, so crazy. And it, it's, it's more hilarious than anything because I think, you know, the only people that I think are really enjoying this are, I guess USC and UCLA people because hey, we're gonna get more money. Cool. Um, it did seem like from like what I saw online, like there were some UCLA fans who were being like, "Wow, okay, now we now we have to play all these teams now. Great, fun, cool." Um, but it was. I wonder like when that. the UCLA fans learned about it. Was it like the next day? You know, like when? How tuned <laughs> oh, in yeah, were the UCLA <laughs> fans? Like, oh, all right, how about that? Yeah. Um, and then the other people I think are happy are like the the national college football people that I call like the TV watchers, where this is like not a sport. This is not a, you know, you, you don't think about what uh, what this means for like communities or campuses or the athletes or anything. But it's just like, oh, the TV number will go up. The money will the, – the, the dollar sign will be large. And since I consume college football that way, which is – watching it nationally and talking about it nationally uh and i'm disconnected this is not everybody this is obviously i mean we we have national writers that we like and we've had some of them on uh this podcast hopefully we'll try to have one on here in the near future to talk about this topic in general but um yeah like it's like you know if it, if it's all about like oh look at how much oh i wonder how big the i wonder how big the fox deal will be now oh i wonder what the tv like, caping stop. for tv deals is sick Right, just, it's like, just virtue signaling to TV executives and to, conference to, commissioners. Very awesome. Right. And I mentioned it in the mailbag on Friday, but our buddy David Oven, I think, has had the best take on this at all. And and, and he said, when everybody last year, because this is the one, this is the one year anniversary of NIL kind of becoming a thing. So when everybody said that the transfer portal in NIL was was going to ruin college sports, what was really ruining it, and what has been ruining it you know, from a sense of 
not making it better for everybody or not making it better for the people involved in it, I guess is the best way to put it, has been happening for a while now. And it's this conference expansion stuff where traditions, which is what makes college football college football. It's what makes it different. Like I know these TV deals and these and, and the these things that they're lining up for right now. Yeah, the college football is basically going to be like the NFL 2.0, right? You know, when you start talking about the SEC and the Big Ten getting bigger than 20, and there was a, I don't know if you saw the quote, um, we're recording this over the weekend. I don't, I don't know if you saw the, the quote um, that was making the rounds on Saturday morning, but listen to this. This is, this is wild stuff. Um, this was a quote from the LSU chancellor. Um, he said, quote, I think we could ultimately end up with two conferences, one called ESPN and one called Fox. Laughter, you know, in the room that he said this in. So the LSU chancellor. Peter, you know when he said this? When? October 24th, 2011. He said that almost 11 years ago. Could see this coming, right? And, like, it's going to be a thing where it's, like, these big ultra super conferences where, like, one's affiliated with Disney and the other one's affiliated with Fox and they're going to have the TV deals and maybe they cross paths at some point, it's like it's going to feel like the NFL. It's going to be like the AFC and the NFC. It's going to be like all, all that. And then they're going to try to rally around and shut out who doesn't belong. And ultimately, it's going to be like, well, they'll split off. They'll do their own thing, which is what they've wanted to do for a while. And there are benefits to that. But it's coming at the, the, the way they're handling it is coming at the cost of a lot of stuff and the traditions and the rivalries and a lot of the stuff that makes college football unique and fun and special so when people were decrying and yes i'm not saying that there aren't problems with nil and problems with the transfer portal but like that was not ruining the game right stuff that was helping out the players is not ruining the i game. don't know man uh kind of seems to me like that's killing the sport when you think Just about dead. guys being able to do what coaches can do it it really right. ruins it for me and but this is the stuff going on where who is this benefit I mean, like, sure, a trickle-down effect is going to happen where it's like, oh, this will be better for USC and UCLA players eventually, right? But, like, it's about making TV people more money. It's about making administrators. The eternal pursuit of maximizing profit has never been problematic, nor has it ever made anything (laughs) worse. At the expense of, yeah, again, at the expense of quality, at the expense of, you know, just what – the fact that USC and UCLA, like, you know, they're not going to play, they're not going to play the teams in in California or on the West Coast as much anymore, and instead they get to play Nebraska and Purdue and Rutgers, and it's like, cool, okay, like I, I get it, like I get why USC and UCLA wanted to do this, right? The Pac-12, it just does not do anything correctly. Um, they have a network, they have a conference network you can't even watch if you if you live out there. They don't make nearly as much money, and the Big Ten and the SEC are far and away the the bigger powers. Now, I'll be interested to see what the ACC does with this, because the ACC's got money and deals wrapped up for the next decade plus. Does Duke feel you... like more of a Big Ten school or an SEC school? Because of course the ideas are getting kicked around. Who's going to poach who from what yeah. conference? Obviously, for basketball purposes, a lot of people would, well, I say a lot of people, the two conferences would probably like to have schools like Duke and UNC, which can sometimes have a nice football season, right? Um, right. And then, of course, Clemson's being talked about. Florida, Florida State, State's Miami. being talked about, right. Yeah. Um, but I am curious to see, like, 
we've talked about certain schools, Missouri being one of them that is in the SEC but feels closer to a Big Ten school. And I wonder what the perception of private, fairly small Duke would be, like what kind of vibe they fit into more. Because they're closer to a Vanderbilt than anything else. Correct. It's funny to think about having two of them, one of which, you know, Vanderbilt, we love you, but you don't have the same sort of athletic program that that Duke does, at least in basketball. And, like, North Carolina, like, you know, it's it's a it's a great academic institution, right? Like it's it's I mean UCLA one of the top those, public schools, right? North Carolina is right, right. But like, they fit in line a lot more with like the Georges and the Floridas of the world, right? Then, I guess Duke would just be like having a Vanderbilt that instead of like Vanderbilt's thing is that they're good at baseball. Duke's is that they're good at basketball, and like it's not football. Football is driving this whole thing. There's this whole. Well, this is going to adjust every other sport, but it's like this is ultimately football. And, and, I, and I guess that's the thing where it's like if you're starting to pick and choose who you want to bring in and who you want want to leave out, it's like Carolina and Duke makes sense. They're not football powers, but like if there's anybody that can be plucked off of the merits of, oh, we would like to have These that basketball rivalry. These schools still make a lot of money. Right. We would love to have that particular basketball rivalry. We would love to have that particular brand in our portfolio. That's it. Because it's like, so the Big Ten was, it made sense for a while for like the Big Ten. Like they weren't going to let the SEC go to 16 and, and just sit. Like they like they were going to always going to try to match. They were always going to try to drive up that money. But it was like, who are they, they going to get, right? Like no one cares if they go get Iowa State, even though they're in the footprint, right? Like no one cares if they go get West Virginia. No one really cares if they get like Kansas basketball would be huge to have in the big 10, but they're so wretched at football that like, that's not going to be a driver. And I'm not saying USC and UCLA are, I mean, USC is definitely a powerhouse when it's at its peak, but UCLA is not this, this monster, but like they're pulling this big, like, and it doesn't, you know, Hey, who cares about geography? We, we stopped caring about geography. I mean, look at what the big 12 just did. People like to make fun of it, but BYU and UCF are about to be in the same conference. And you know, not, quite the same thing but missouri being in the sec east is funny um right i do wonder not that it matters this the fans are not going to have a say in this what the duke and north carolina fans would prefer like do they want their teams if they're going to leave the acc which feels inevitable yeah i mean i think that's pretty safe to say yeah i think they've just got to figure out like how much it will cost and like what all that the, all the legal loopholes because i think the grant of rights for the acc since they have the acc network i think it goes on for a while i think it i think we're i think it's the middle of next decade don't quote okay. me on that but like it's there's but of course like people can always break that or, or you know find sure. ways around it i do wonder would the fans about. want the schools to to follow one another to the same conference or would they just be like meh there's rivalries that are not in the same conference it's fine yeah, it's like when A&M, when A&M left for the SEC, because Texas didn't want to be in the SEC back then. They wanted to have their own thing. They stopped playing Texas in the Texas A&M game. And, like, I feel like that was kind of like the beginning of the end, where it was like, oh, if we're willing to just throw that off, you know, what, are we, what are we willing to throw off? Now, fortunately for Auburn fans, like, you'll always have the Auburn-Alabama rivalry. You'll always have the Auburn-Georgia rivalry because – You'll always be in the SEC together because the SEC 
has positioned itself to be like the Big Ten, the 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 driving force behind all this. They are they are they are the the front line of this movement that's happening. But I, I just hate it. I I just hate it that that we're getting to a point where it's like, all right, well, just whatever gets more money. And I know that's what makes the world go around and all that. And yeah, but like, it doesn't make your sport better. It doesn't make your sport better at all, right? I mean, and, I'm sure that that's the things we'll be hearing about from the commissioners and from the executives about the partnerships and the money and the cutting edge and how this is all going to benefit the student-athlete, right. which, sure. Yeah, like, if, if the SEC came out and said, hey, we're getting Clemson and Florida State, like, tomorrow, if they if – they, heck, I mean, by tomorrow they might already say that, um, the way things are going – if they said they're taking those, I would be like, wow, I mean, that's going to make the SEC better. And, like, at least it's in the footprint. At least it makes sense. At least there's ties there, right? There's rivalries already built in. But, yeah, you're 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 about to just cut the Pac. Like, the Pac-12 is never going to be the same after this. You know, they've already, they already had to get they already had to load themselves up a couple of times already. Well, it's hard to, for me it's to just Im- like, Ooh. it's hard for me to imagine a school like Oregon that has over the last couple of decades, thanks in part to our favorite guy, Phil Knight has yeah. really become a force. Um, right. And like, I can't imagine that they're going to be cool with staying in the PAC 12. Now that Southern Cal and UCLA aren't there now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're like, Hey, this can just be our conference. But if we're all worried about the dollars and cents here, then I would think Oregon is probably going to want to follow suit in one way or another. Right. And it's, it's going to be wild. Like there are, there are going to be positives that may, may come out of this, but like, I feel, I feel bad. I feel bad for, for (laughs) the people who, you know, the teams and the fan bases that are affected by this because this doesn't benefit them at all. Uh, it's not going to – in fact, it's probably going to cost them more money, you know. USC and UCLA, it's like you want to go watch your boys play on the road. Okay, it, it just got more expensive. Like, you know, that's that that changes a lot. And, and they're already talking about, like, the strategic uh, uh, ways that they're going to make it so that the non-revenue sports can can still play. It's like, okay, but, yeah, like you still have to play a Thursday night soccer game. Like that still exists. That's still it's still an issue that you're gonna have to have to deal with. Got to be in and, your eight a.m. baby. Right, <laughs> right. And it's just like if we're gonna if we're gonna throw off with the pretenses, right? If we're gonna throw off with the pretenses and say, you know what, this is a this is basically a professional sport. This is a semi professional sport. Pay the kids, you know, get the get get this going. If we're gonna if we're gonna professionalize this in every way besides those guys making the money, those guys and girls making the money. Like it sucks. It it really sucks. Now, if all this was happening and all this was going on, and this split and this structure was going on, and the players were involved in the process, or at least they were getting compensated <laughs> as part of the process, I'd feel a different way. But instead, I feel bad for the UCLA volleyball player that's going to have to play a weird game at Rutgers. Like it's that's not like it's not going to be fun. It is very funny to think about leaving Southern Cal to go to East Lansing or vice versa. It's particularly funny, if not cruel, to think about it. At least the Southern Cal players will get to return to the warm. Can you imagine <laughs> playing a football game in Southern Cal in November and then be like, all right, we got to go back on the plane, and it's one degree where we are. We'll be leaving this paradise for, you know, 
whatever is happening out there. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless and Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello, brother. We're back at it. We're back at it. We are recording this on the weekend before the 4th. This will come out on the 5th if you're listening to it on Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. hope everybody will have had a, a, a good holiday, a good break. I, I personally am looking forward to to a couple of days just to kind of wind down a little bit. That'd be it'll be good. It'll be fun. Um, but yeah, hope everybody, every, hope everybody had a good time and a safe time uh, with your friends and family. Uh, we've got a decent bit to talk about today. That's Auburn related. Um, you know, even though the rest of the world is talking about what's happening with conference realignment and and whatnot. And like I said earlier in the open. I, I, I would like to get one of our friends um, who cover the sport nationally to talk to us about it uh, here in the near future. We're going to work on that, um, try to bring on a guest uh, for that. So you want to check that out. If you're a subscriber, uh, that will be a premium pod whenever we do roll it out. So check that out, auburnobserver.com. But uh, we've got a decent bit to talk about. we got some football to talk about, and we got some basketball as well. It's a good combo show uh, with just the two of us. Uh, let's start with the football news, Painter. It took almost, you know, it was two and a half months between commitments for Auburn, but we all knew that July, after all the official visits, we knew that July was going to be the busy time for Auburn football recruiting. And the first day of July, they get a big win in picking up Jeremiah Cobb from Montgomery Catholic, a four-star running back. No matter where you look, whether it is two four seven rivals on three, um, he is a top ten running back in this class. He is a consensus four star. He is one of the top twenty players in the state of Alabama. That's a really big deal because there's a ton of talent in, in the state this year. Uh, but Auburn picking up Jeremiah Cobb over Clemson and Tennessee, two places um, that he also made official visits to. So you know, Clemson obviously wasn't a great year for him last year, but they're in a really good spot as a program perennially. Tennessee trying to get back on the rise uh, there. So for Auburn to pick up a commitment over those two schools, I think, uh, was pretty significant. And, uh, Banner, I know you uh, I know you checked out um, some of his highlights, ta- highlight tape and stats uh, ahead of the newsletter that we put out on Saturday morning. Um, this dude looks like he's just going to fit right in with what Auburn football has been at the running back position. Obviously a nice pickup. The stats pop off the page. Um, it is interesting to me, this is totally personal, that we focus on the skill position players most often in the quarterback, right? Like those are those are more fun, those are more glamorous, both on the field and in recruiting. But never have I been dying so much to see headlines that say Auburn is pursuing the big fellas. But for yep. now, we will, as you said, take this uh, victory on the recruiting trail. They are pursuing the big fellas. I will say that. Um, how many they get will remains to be seen. But hey, they've they've got a commitment right now. Their first commitment of this class was from a big fella, dear old Auburn High's very own. Uh, so you so you have to you have to like that with Braden Joyner. I, I I I'm one of those guys though. Whenever you know when you're recruiting, obviously with Auburn, they need offensive linemen in big numbers. They could use more edge rushers and defensive linemen for sure. But 
the sign of a really good program is when you can just say, hey, we've got you know, 25, now there's not a cap anymore, but you get 25-ish kind of spots that you usually want to fill um, in the in the class. Try to sign like a like a team. Try to sign like both sides of the ball for, for the most part. And um, I, I think one thing that Cadillac Williams has done really well since he's arrived at Auburn is get a big name running back every class. Um, the transitional year, um, you know, between staffs, uh, you know, two cycles ago, um, obviously they didn't get a blue chip guy, um, but they ended up getting they they ended up getting Jarquez Hunter, who looks like he's playing out far outplaying his ranking coming out of high school. Um, so they got uh, they've they've got a a good room right now. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of like what Damari Austin brings to the table this year. I think we all expect Tank Bigsby to be on his way out into the NFL after this upcoming season. Um, you do have Sean Jackson on scholarship now. You have some other pieces that you can use. We did mention Hunter just a second ago. Uh, but Jeremiah Cobb, I mean, this dude is – this is wild. And, like, you know, I know – like, first of all, he, he's at Montgomery Catholic, and I'll just – the numbers just are just stupid. Um he last last two seasons, his sophomore year and his junior year, he had two thousand yard seasons for Montgomery Catholic. Uh, he had twenty one hundred yards last year and thirty touchdowns. He averaged over eleven yards a carry. Uh, also caught twenty four passes for five hundred sixty one yards and eight touchdowns. Um, so it was a weapon out of the backfield, which I think is very very important. Uh, he averaged nearly nine yards a carry as a sophomore. Uh, another two thousand yard season there for him. Uh, he. He his stats as a junior, he scored he scored nearly every five, fifth time he had the ball in his hands, and and every time he touched the ball, he averaged about twelve point four yards per touch. Um, I don't care who you're playing; those are crazy numbers. And yes, like Montgomery Catholic plays three A football in Alabama; they move up to four A this year. Um, I don't care because, like you know, I, some people may want to think, oh, well, it's a small school or whatever. Uh, those numbers are good against anybody that you play against. And look, I mean, there's really good football played at some of the smaller classifications in the state of Alabama. They're just, they just are. And like, there are some gaps. There are some, there are some down spots. Like there's a section or two of seven, a football that like, I'm not very impressed by the competition there compared to what you could get in some of these other, other classifications. So at Montgomery Catholic, they went to the state title game two years ago. Uh, they were semifinalists last year. Been one of the best teams in 3A. I'm sure they'll be really good in 4A this year. He's he's a lot of fun. And Pedro, I don't know if you noticed this. Um, you know, when we were when we went through the film with him it, it, or of him. Um, I we think were the doing thing that's st- him. We yeah, we were doing it with it was a collab. Yeah, it was a great collaboration. Um, I think the thing that just strikes me the most about him is just it's smooth, man. He's not choppy as a runner. That man just is like, yeah. Like, you even wrote something about how he he doesn't. So yeah, I, I don't cut. know how you worded it, but it's like he doesn't seem to do a lot of cutting, which allows him to, I guess, maintain his straight line speed in some way. Right. He 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 manages it like it rounds off easily, and so like when you're not stop starting as much, and you're as fast as he is, he had sub eleven times in the hundred hundred meters as a, as a sophomore. Put on some more weight. He was a little over eleven seconds um, as a junior. But yeah, just just speed where you know he melts angles and he hits the open field. It's just like I wrote about it on Saturday. It looks like he gets shot out of a cannon when he gets into the open field. It's great acceleration. Um, not a very big guy, 
Uh, he's under six feet. He's under two hundred pounds. He's. It looks like he's got more more weight to put on. Like he's got more room to put that weight on. Uh, Jason Caldwell at uh, at Inside the Auburn Tigers, who I trust more than anybody on the planet when it comes to evaluating uh, players in the state of Alabama, um, said that I, uh, he, he mentioned something recently where he was like, um, I watched this dude play as a freshman. He was like 140 pounds and he tried, he was running like he was 210. He's got that, he's got that fight, man. He's one might say, one might say painter. He's got that dog in him. Say what? Like, he, he's got that dog. That in dog. Him. He, he, he will run and, and lower his shoulder, but like not necessarily a guy who's like tackle breaking is his his strength. It's more like tackle around running around you and running past you, um, and just a really just a really good running back um, that I think fits right in with what Auburn's trying to do at the running back spot. He is a really good uh, receiver out of the backfield. Um, he lines up a slot receiver sometimes, which I think is going to fit right in with what like Auburn did with Tank uh, this past season, which I think he'll do some more of. Um, they're not going to have to teach him how to do that. He's he's already used to that. He he is a route runner. He is a guy that you know can can line up and do some work like that. Um, it's not just catching the ball out of the backfield and trying to run somebody over. Um, he he can do some wide receiver type stuff, and I think that's a that's what modern running backs do. That's what good running backs do. And that's that's going to really help him out. That, like I said, we'll see who is, we'll see who's on uh, on the roster at running back by the time he gets on campus. If you're catching the ball out of the backfield like that, or if you're catching the ball even as a receiver like that, you're going to find a way to get on the field. You're going to find a way to help. It. We talked about how much the tight ends are going to help out Auburn's receivers this year. Um, I think the running backs are as well, and that's something where he can just fit right in but the speed is real um the vision is real he will set dudes up to get absolutely demolished he knows how to run behind his blocking well he knows how to set up his blockers um there's a if you haven't read it the um the newsletter from saturday i put a video in there of a touchdown run he had that is just i mean he uses the whole width of the field he goes back and forth and I counted he it was at least seven guys that he he broke tackles on in this play, um, and it's just guys can't catch him. And I think it's that speed that it's a speed that translates right those those track numbers that he has um, usually trans, translate really really well to guys who want to be SEC running backs who want to be NFL running backs. Uh, he's got that he's got that uh, projection to him, and I think he's only going to get bigger and more confident. Uh, but yeah, I mean this is. This is a guy that that I think Auburn fans can get really really excited about. Um, the last two classes between him and Damari Austin, they've went out and gotten dudes that are just like, all right. When you watch, and I'm sure you're going to see this this year, his senior year, people are going to get updates about his stats, and they're going to be like, he did what? He he ran for what? Um, and he doesn't have a lot of he doesn't have a lot of uh, miles on him at this point. Like he, you know, under uh, he under 13 carries a game, like 14 carries a game this past year. So he's not a dude that takes a ton of hits either. It just got I me. Mean, he's you can see why he was the number one guy on their board at the running back spot. I'm, I'm sure Cadillac Williams watched him on film and, and saw a lot of things he really liked. I imagine that some of the guys who do a good job covering the recruiting scene for Auburn yeah. have written about what it is that the Harson Harson and his staff are selling. I am curious about that pitch 
because yeah. it's probably not an easy one given the off season that they've come off of. But yet they're in the mix for a lot of really good players, and they've and I mean all their it's not very many commitments to this point, obviously, but all of them are are blue chip guys um, at this point. Yeah, uh, our buddy Christian Clemente quoted him in his his commitment story and said like one of the things he said they're trying to trying to build Auburn back and make it even better, and I think. I think it's one of those things where, like, they know what they're up against right now. Like, they're not hiding it. Like, this is like, hey, if you want to come into a well-oiled machine and something that's, like, winning at the highest level right now, firing on all cylinders, we're not it. But you can help us get there. And I think there's I think there's dudes that are going to identify with that. They're going to like that. Um, but that's what they're selling them. It's like, hey, like, look, what has happened the last few years is not what we think Auburn football is. So come help us make it to be what what it's like and it's not the sexiest pitch in the world where georgia can say hey we just won a national title and we had one of the best defenses on planet earth or alabama says look at what we all have or texas a&m's like we'll pay you a lot of money and you know maybe one day we'll win a national absolutely title." absolutely sick that that guy said that on camera i love that so much thank you to him for giving us that absolute gym he's a, he 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 is probably a, not alive, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you, you have a lot of you have a lot of things working for you. Um, if you're pretty much in a, a recruiting against Auburn, but Auburn's going to have to convince guys to come be a part of this, and um, you know, I think it's going to take the right kind of attitude. But you got to get the talent as well, right? Um, and the good news is, is that it's not like Auburn's just taking anybody. The, the three commitments they have right now are three guys that could play at a lot of SEC schools, a lot of powerhouse programs, had those offers from those places that really, really help. Um, this was also, to point out, this is also a, a joint effort in the recruiting trail. Obviously, Cadillac Williams being his uh, position coach played a big part in this, but also shout out to Zach Etheridge. Man, how big was it when he decided to stay at Auburn and not go to Georgia? And Auburn uh, rewarded him with a raise and a title change. Uh, being a guy from Alabama, specifically the southern part of Alabama, um, he has been a very active recruiter in like the Montgomery area and some of the Wiregrass guys that they've recruited, guys all over the state. Um, seemed to be a pretty good connection here, and uh, Zach Etheridge playing a role in uh, in getting a guy on the on the other side of the ball. But I I'm not surprised that like when you talk about you know you talk about what the pitch is, like I'm not surprised that Auburn gets a really good player here with two guys that have done it before and that are Auburn guys. Not to say anything about the, the you know the guys who came from Boise or some of the guys who were from other staffs in the past, but that pitch has a little bit more of a resonance. Like when you can say, hey, come here. You don't have to go to Clemson. Come here. Um, I'll tell you why you should come here. Like it, when it's Cadillac Williams telling that to you and when it's Zach Etheridge telling that to you, it's got a lot of weight to it, right? It's like those guys are coming out and saying like, hey – you could go play all, all these other places, but Auburn is different. Auburn is a better place for you for X, Y, and Z. That matters. That's that that sticks with these guys, and so it's not surprising at all to see a, Auburn get a really good player from a program from you know out of the jaws of a couple of programs that really really want them that are in better positions right now. And it was two Auburn guys that helped lock them down. It does seem like we tend to hear about them on the recruiting trail a lot. Oh, yeah. And had they kept Nick Easton, I think he would have. Even though he didn't yeah, play at Auburn, I think you know that would have been a nice coach to hang on to. Yeah, and so his replacement, Jimmy Brumball, is a defensive line coach who played at Auburn, 
So there's going to be something to that as well, even though he's a little bit older of an older guy uh, compared to, to Cadillac and, and Zach. Um, yeah, speaking of Nick Eason, you talk about the defensive line talent in the state of Alabama. Nick Eason's coming in and, and trying to clean up there, and, and it makes sense, right? You know, he went back home to a place that he, you know, you're saying he didn't, he didn't go to Auburn. He went to Clemson. That's why he went back to Clemson, and that's why he's recruiting for Clemson at a high level right now. Yeah, lots of um, coaches, I think, find it alluring to go back to where they played. I think if you yep. want to be objective about it, what Clemson's done over the last decade's been extremely impressive. And even though they dipped, I mean, didn't they still win 10 games last year, nine games last year? I mean, it was yeah. it was yeah. bad yeah. by the standard we've gotten used to over the last decade because we're used to them being well, in, it the, was just that DJ, in the playoffs. It was just DJ was so bad. Yeah, it was a huge yeah, it was disappointment just DJ was for so him. Bad. But I will say there's a lot of talent in the Southeast that, um, you know, Auburn is Auburn's having to lock horns with some big programs for and the ones that they're going to be able to win, I think it helps to have guys that are bought in and 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 know um, know the program and and know it really really well. Like Zach Etheridge had an opportunity to go to Georgia, had an opportunity to coach for the defending national champions, right? But he decided to stay at Auburn, and like that's pretty dang significant. And it's uh, it's already you know paying dividends on the recruiting trail, like we knew it was. I mean, he was their ace recruiter last year, and he's probably going to be the ace recruiter again this year. There's a maybe before this podcast comes out, I think there's a three star linebacker who is announcing soon. There's a four star four star receiver, Carmelo English, was supposed to commit soon, but he pushed that back. Seems like from the recruiting folks, it seems like Auburn's still in a good spot for him. Really talented receiver. I've watched a few times at Central Phoenix City. Uh, there's quite a few. I mean, there's there's a lot of four stars either making their decisions, quarterbacks, defensive linemen, offensive linemen kind of everywhere on the field, tight end, uh, that Auburn's in the mix for. And so July is going to be a big month for him, as we all expected. Um, you come off of these visits, and these guys are making their decisions before they hit their senior years of football. Auburn, uh, you know, I don't expect them to get most of their guys right now. I don't expect them to have this, like, glorious class heading into into the fall. Uh, but they've got, uh, they got Big Cat Weekend coming up at the end of the month. I think they want to have something kind of – have some momentum heading into the season, this is a good time to pick it up. I think ultimately the bulk of this class and the story of the 2023 recruiting cycle for Auburn will be told by how well they do on the field in 2022. And if they can get people to buy in to what they're selling even more, because I think there's still some wait and see for good reason about this team and about this program and about this staff. But the fact that they are they are in a good spot to kind of keep keep adding guys on. I think is uh, is a good sign for them, and so we will see. Like I said, I don't expect them to get the majority of their class right now, but I expect them to make up some ground and, and have a good foundation heading into the fall, and then we'll see where it goes from there. There was a question in the mailbag about what expectations ought to be. I think the word that was used was reasonable. It's yeah. obviously going to vary depending on which recruit you ask, but I if you could get a poll of a lot of the players Auburn is heavily pursuing I'd be curious to know what they think would be good expectations like okay if they can accomplish this I can buy into the blueprint as a guy that's being actively pursued by this staff that's a great question um that would be really interesting to 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 hear um I will say the guys that are committed right now I think a vibe of a lot of them is like and obviously like they they're bought in with their future teammates and the guys who are on the team right now and say hey we're gonna we're gonna prove people wrong this year. We're gonna shock the world. We're going it's us against the world. Like I 
you have to buy into that mentality, right? Like, like if you're not part of that, it's going to be hard for you to contribute or it's going to be hard for you to get other people to jump onto it. Um, but yeah, for the people that are, that they're going up against, like I said, like with Cobb, like he made an official visit to Clemson and like Clemson made him a priority. What got him to come to Auburn instead of going to a place where if the ACC is still standing for the next few years, they're probably going to win it every year. Yeah, I'm trying to think about Florida State or Miami. And it's like, I don't like Miami, Miami in a couple years you might see it with Cristobal, yeah. Florida State. I think I they're going to have a coaching change. I keep going back to what our buddy Tyson said on our premium podcast last week. Um, which if you, if you didn't, if you didn't listen to that, you check that out. If you're a subscriber, um, we talked about the Auburn and Oregon connection, the, the Bo Nix and then the players Auburn got from Oregon this off season, including, uh, including Robbie Ashford. Uh, and he was saying like, he said, I think, I think Oregon fans liked the recruiting more than the actual on field play. I, I bet that's about to happen at Miami too. Right. Cause like, I'm not. I'm not overly convinced that he that that Cristobal is going to bring in the you know bring the U back. Like he's probably got a better chance, and they're going to recruit really really well. But like, there's still some stuff that you got to prove. We've seen programs that recruit really really well not live up to expectations. I mean that happens all the time. Um, but yeah, like Clemson's got it made at this point, and. Uh, Although I would love to see Clemson in the SEC, I would love to. I would just love to see what that looks like, right? Because the because the talk's always been Auburn would be more of a Clemson if Auburn was not playing in the SEC. I 100% believe that. Um, what happens if Clemson has to come to the SEC? I'm sure they'll still be really really good, but I think they'd probably be more of a Florida instead of a Georgia. If that makes sense, if that you know, or more of that instead of an Alabama. Wikipedia is saying Florida State has had 14 head coaches since organized football began in 1902, which seems low. I think Auburn's had like 27. Now, I guess Bobby Bowden being there for an eternity probably helps with that a little yeah, bit. Bowden was there. Bowden was there forever. And then before Bowden, Florida State wasn't even really a, like they had no like football tradition to speak of. Yeah, that's that's it just that's seems kind of low. It does. And like Auburn has a low number for a team that's been playing since late the 1800s. 1800s. To circle yeah, back to your point, bringing Clemson into the fold, I would also like Miami to be in while we're at it. You if know. you're picking a block of four from the ACC, give me Clemson, Georgia Tech, Miami, and Florida State. I know Tech's yeah. not gonna. I know Tech's not gonna like make every, anybody like super happy, but like that's a historic rivalry for Auburn. It definitely is for Georgia. They play them every year. Um, Might be a game that fits. you can win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it just fits. Like Virginia Tech would be fun. Like I would, I, I'm interested to see. Like, if, would Virginia Tech go somewhere that Virginia didn't go to? Because like Virginia to me screams Big Ten. If we're gonna split up the ACC, Virginia's, Virginia's gonna be going, very excited to talk about all their grades when they get into the Big yes. Ten. And Virginia's gonna play Wisconsin in basketball twice a year, and oh it's gonna be God. the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> There's going to be like a tiny subsect of people online that are going to be like, isn't this great? Yeah. Just fundamental, uh, selfless defense. basketball. Uh, hardcore defense. Which is basically things like if the Carolina teams would jump to the Big Ten, like I guess if I guess if we were being honest, if we're going back from earlier, like 
Carolina and Duke probably make more sense in the Big Ten. I want to see them both in the SEC just because I'm selfish and want to see them play basketball in the SEC. I can definitely see the argument for why. And maybe it's – I'm totally – maybe I'm letting the fact that it is a public school subconsciously bleed into my uh, thoughts here. But I feel like UNC would fit better as an SEC school than maybe Duke. But I can understand why you could make the argument that they both should go to the Big Ten. Yeah, I would just yeah, just go ahead and just go ahead and make every southeastern football team that's good the SECs. Just go ahead and just lock it down, right? You know, from Texas to the Carolinas, just this this is what we do. And then the Big Ten can be this weird Frankenstein conference because, like, as weird as the SEC is, like with Missouri and Oklahoma, can we get now, them out like, of there? Can we can we give them Missouri to the up? Big Ten and then we'll take? Doesn't even have to be someone from the Big Ten. They can just have them. We'll just poach. I don't know. Fine. We're not doing geography anymore. Give me Arizona. <laughs> Colorado, welcome to the SEC. Um, it's just an excuse for me to go out there. I start lobbying, start hanging out outside of Greg Sankey's house. Sir, I have to have them in the conference. Sir, sir. They need sir, to be one please. of Auburn's three main opponents. Auburn plays Alabama and Georgia every year in football. Also, in Colorado. Colorado, Colorado, that fierce rivalry between Ralphie, Ralphie the Buffalo, and and Auburn's an Auburn sweet, flying sweet eagle. boy. Yep, that's that's what we're going for. So, uh, yeah, big 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 pickup for Auburn with Jeremiah Cobb, and uh, uh, we'll see if this starts some momentum. It looks like Auburn's starting to turn the tide a little bit. We'll let them heat up a little bit in, in July again. Don't expect, don't expect you know just kind of. Does Brian World. Harson call heat checks in a basketball pickup game with his staff when he's hitting a couple in a row? Is he a talker, oh, yeah. you think? Hmm. I can see him being I very... I can see him probably doing it, yeah. I feel like he wouldn't talk vocally, but like if you run past him after he's made a shot, he's like, you like that. You know, only Maybe you so. can hear it. He just murmurs yeah. it annoyingly yeah. to the person who has to guard him. That, sound, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. All right, uh, before we move on to some basketball, we got some business to take care of. First off, shout out to our friends at Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to get premium vintage collegiate apparel. We're talking the softest t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, joggers, and all that. Uh, they keep, you know, this this summer, for, for, a, for a school that already has a lot of products on Home Field, Auburn continues to get a lot of love. Uh, got a couple of baseball shirts this year, uh, some new basketball shirts as well. Uh, and then a lot of classic football designs you can pick up. Homefieldapparel.com, 15% off your first order with the site if you use the promo code OBSERVER when checking out. Uh, they just dropped Nebraska on Big News Saturday this weekend, including, I will say, I don't like Nebraska at all. Um, I find their fan base very annoying, except for you, Max Olson. Love you, buddy. Um, I find them very, very annoying, but... Um, they had a really good home field drop, and there apparently is a hot dog shirt that you can get <laughs> from home field that has something to do with Memorial Stadium in Nebraska. So I've been looking forward for to it. having hot dogs all weekend. I haven't had a good hot dog in a while, and there has been you, you prepping quite the yes, quite the controversy I think stirred up okay. by our friend Lonnie about what does yeah. and doesn't go on the hot dog. What okay, does so go I, on the hot dog first? So I, I recuse myself from this conversation. Uh, I don't eat hot dogs. I did when I was little. I don't anymore. Okay, brats. I don't like them. See, I don't, I don't like yellow mustard that much. Mm-hmm. And I, but I, but I know, but I know that I know that yellow mustard makes the most sense on these things, right? 
Like, so, so people eat a sausage dog, like, you know, or a broad or something like that, or a hot, or a hot dog, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't appeal to me, but that makes more sense than ketchup. Like, ketchup's not one of those things where it's like, I don't hate ketchup, right? Like, I think there's some people who run it down a little too too easily, um, you know? I would tell them get some spicy ketchup from Whataburger. T- change it, change your mind on the on the product. Um, but like mustard makes more sense to me. I don't know what is it. What's the correct answer? Little ketchup, little mustard, and then as I've grown older, this is a recent development. I've become a relish guy on the dog really? as well. You're not going, all the going, time, but more often than not, it will probably. You're hitting have all some. three. You're hitting all three at the concession stand. You're going boom, boom, boom. You're That's going right. That's you're going right. the red, yellow, green. And then I like do tra- I looking I like a traffic light. I like to do like a a wavy, you know, some people just glob all the ketchup and I like to make it aesthetically pleasing with lines uh, okay. weaving in and out on my dog. Yeah. But like I also a, understand like why people put it yes, why people put it under the the weenie on the, bun, the bun itself. Right. But that to me is not as aesthetically pleasing. And if I'm at a ballpark, for instance, the dog needs to look and feel a certain kind of way. I tell you I'll tell you where I turned on hot dogs. I'll tell you the moment I turned out hot dogs, and it was when I was a young lad. Did um, you find out what they are? Oh, no, I already knew that. Okay. Um, uh, so growing up, uh, it's the summertime, um, and growing up, you have, uh, you have, your, you have it at, at, at church. You have your vacation Bible school, right? We would have ours at night uh, growing up always, um, and so you would eat dinner there, and it would just be whatever the old ladies in the fellowship hall would make you, and one one day out of every you know week at Bible school, they would do hot dogs. Easy enough, you can make them make a ton of them very quickly. Um, the problem was is that it was like they didn't want the mess of like everybody trying to put their own stuff on a hot dog, especially like with little kids. So what they would do is they would take ketchup, mustard, and mayonnaise and mix it together, and then like coat the inside of the bun nice. with it, and then put it on it, and it would. I just it was ugh, no. And I, and I think I think I turned on that forever from that mayonnaise moment. with French fries, yes or no? Sounds British. Uh, uh, well, I have a um, I have a I have a relative who is British, and 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 she does that, so I'm I'm out I'm out on that. Uh, okay, I know we we're fought gonna... a re- we, it's literally Fourth of July weekend. We fought a revolution to avoid the mayonnaise <laughs> and French fries. There, we're trying to get rid of that culture. Thank you. Um, we are soon going to pivot to basketball, which means I have to ask you, did you get any giggles out of the Brian Windhorse uh, on first yes. take thing? What a funny man he was. And he was tweet. right. It also, yeah. And was, he was right. Well, and the tweet that went around, like, I thought it was well-worded. That's like he, he did have the rest of the people on camera, like, hanging on to his every word. Yeah, man. It was it was incredible. We'll talk about that because there is an Auburn connection to that thing with Windhorse. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Before we do that, though, uh, shout out our friends at Homefield. Number two, uh, hey, if you like the show, you can listen to more of it. Uh, we have two episodes a week, or a bonus episode in addition to the one you're listening to right now. If you are a subscriber to the Auburn Observer, auburnobserver.com, you also get the newsletters. Hey, top ten news, top ten sports newsletter on Substack. Come, come join the cool kids. Come join us over uh, in the inner circle. There's gonna be a lot more stuff here as we get closer and closer. Painter, we're we're about we're about to be in the final. We are in the final month of the off season. Like in less than a few weeks, we are going to be talking about actual practices again. We're gonna be talking about. I mean, it'll be it'll be here. Media days is in a couple weeks. Like this. Is, can you just FaceTime the whole practice so I can be there too and be like Brian? I know you guys don't really want outsiders, but my buddy needs I'm to be in sure. on the practice. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if I did that, Kirk Sampson would shoot me in the head. I don't think that would go head. over well. <laughs> he would. He would like. Although maybe he would let me say like, hello to him. Shoot me. Yeah, he might. No, yeah. you're right. You're right. I don't think that um, one's gonna fly with the old SID. And, and, and Kirk. And again, Kirk is great guy, nice guy, great SID. Uh, just he would he would shoot me, um, and he wouldn't think twice about it, and I would deserve it. So you know. So that's, that's a no. That, that's a quick no, a on, no. The, on the face timing no. of the practices. But but we'll have plenty of stuff for you at The Observer. Three newsletters and two podcasts at minimum per week. If you subscribe, you get something every weekday at 6 a.m. Central Time in your inbox. Uh, and then sometimes on the weekends, if you go to auburnobserver.com and sign up there. $6 a month, $60 a year, or you can take advantage of a free trial. A lot of you have done that here in the in the last few days. We appreciate you guys checking us out. Um there's also a way you can help out the show if you like it uh, without paying any money. And this goes for people who are subscribers and who are not subscribers. Painter, tell them. Rate, review, subscribe. You can do this on Apple Podcast. You can do this on Spotify. It takes like 20 seconds. When you're not helping us climb the top 10 polls, and we are climbing, folks. Yep. Do a little rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Take someone's phone, you know. Grab that. What? Do it on theirs. Want to point out, though. Want to point out also... Auburn Observer, and this is all you guys. I'm not taking any credit for this. Painter's not taking any Well, Painter might take credit for this. Maybe a little little bit. In the top ten Substack newsletters, the Auburn Observer is the only one that was affiliated with college sports. The only one. Everybody else was with the pros. You guys. Some are saying maybe the most loyal fan base in college sports. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but you can rate, review, subscribe at uh, on an Apple Podcast. Just give us five stars. Say something nice about Painter. We will read it to you. Or we will read it on the air. We will shout you out because we are a vein and we like to uh, to you know, shout you guys out to help us out a ton. Uh, it is on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Give us five stars. You can't write a comment on Spotify yet. We'll let you know if you can start doing that. I'm so curious about Apple what Podcasts their strategy is, like with not allowing yet the, the premium episodes and also like you can – you yeah, can re- you can rate, but you can't review. And obviously, yeah, like they sp- have the capacity to do it. They've just decided not sp- to. Spotify does everything slowly. And I say that as somebody who's, I think I've had Spotify since it came out in America, which was like my senior year of high school, like your junior or senior year. Of high I, I remember it after my sophomore year of college, which is interesting that you were two years ahead of me on that one. And the whole reason I was ahead is because I was friends with some people who were big time, like music and tech nerds. And so they were like, Hey, this thing's coming out Napster, but they're not shutting it down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a legal form of (laughs) illegally doing music. It's like, Oh, awesome. So you can check us out there. Appreciate everybody that. All right. uh, Let's start with, let's start with, cause you brought up Wenhorst. Let's start with that. Poor Walker Kessler, man. He got drafted technically by the Memphis Grizzlies, traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, so he couldn't have his big draft moment until later. He gets his jersey, he gets revealed, and oh! Whoops. Nope, he's going to he's going to the Utah Jazz. In an um, incredible what, trade. In a bonkers trade. Um, first off, when the Timberwolves drafted Kessler, one of the things was, is like, man, we were one of the worst rim-protecting teams in basketball last year. We got to get better at that. Why not get the best rim protector in the game? Come on in. You know, come on in. Best guy in the draft class. And then we, I mean, there was a mailbag question on Friday, um, again, before, right before the trade, that, you know, it was like, oh, maybe Cat can play the four? Maybe they're thinking about that, and Kessler could eventually be that five for him? Maybe. And then, lo and behold, they make a trade that's like, yep, Cat's going to have to be the four now uh, because uh, the uh, Utah Jazz traded um, – 
traded their big guy. Uh, why am I plucking out his name? Rudy Gobert. Wow, I almost said Evan Fournier, and I was like, I was like, Fran- I was like French. They're French. Like, no, They're French. The other French player, by the way, Victor Webinyama, which the who the Spurs are tanking hard for uh, after trading uh, Dejounte Murray. Um, anyway, Rudy Gobert is going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves traded four players, five first round picks, and they will swap another pick. So essentially, that is ten assets. For one guy, for one dude, a guy who is an incredible defender, but one there the are questions about ever. if he's the best option to have on the floor in the last four minutes on offense. Now, I suppose you can work around it with timeouts and some substitutions, but it, at times it's like with Rudy Gobert's offensive game. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was just like ignoring him. If you just traded ten assets for Rudy Gobert, how much is it going to cost somebody to get Kevin Durant? That was also I like because sometimes <laughs> like, teams just reach, but I was take like, a real, "It's going to take a real estate deal." Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like in my head, I'm thinking, "Well, if if we are to believe that this is setting a market, which I'm not sure that it is, I think that other no, teams may just, just be really like, they, overpay, they, yeah. they overreach. Like we're not giving you our entire team for Kevin Durant. Sorry." Yeah, it's uh, I I don't know, man. Like this is. It was bizarre, but you know what? That's their business. It was really bizarre. Business. And, like, look, if Cat and, and Gobert can work together in the front court, that's huge, though. That is such a big front court, and, like, it's not modern at all, and I have questions. But they went for it. Kessler, one of the players, traded. Also, Patrick Beverly, the man who cried after went. the play-in game was won. It's the, that is one of the funniest things. I mean, it is so funny that he jumped up on the scorer's table Ran around, and you know what? I am all for them having fun. Yeah. Like we've talked about this before, but and Pat Beverly's about that life. Like if you want to cross him, he's <laughs> he's one of those dudes that you don't want to mess with too much. I'll let him do whatever he wants. But big walk, but yeah, on like, the on the move yet again. Yeah, big walk already going to the Jazz. Look, wide open playing time there. They just traded Gobert. The only other big man they had on their roster uh, was Hassan Whiteside, who is a free agent. I don't know what the market is for Whiteside at this point. Um, they've got uh, let's see, is it Adoka Azubuki? Yeah, who's who's on that roster now? It's like he's got an option, and like it looks like it looked like the Jazz are about to sell the farm, and then Woj again, this could change at at any point. But then Woj tweeted on Friday that um they're gonna try to build it around Donovan Mitchell. It's like oh Donovan Mitchell and um. It was like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert didn't always get along, didn't always see eye to eye. It was kind of tough. It was like. Well, at least now they're down to one. Maybe they'll just rebuild around Mitchell. Because, like, I know the Heat were trying to get Mitchell and the Heat are trying to get Durant and, like, everything's trying to have it. Somebody might be able to pull the trigger. But um, it would be funny, although, you know, I just want Walker to be in a good landing spot. So, you know, I guess you could argue maybe playing playing time time will benefit him if he ends up getting traded again somehow, like in a three-team trade to, like, well, the, okay, the okay. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because another another thing that's been reported is that the Suns are interested, or I'm sorry, the Jazz are interested in trying to get DeAndre Ayton because essentially uh, DeAndre Ayton is going to have to go out the door if Durant is going to go play for the Suns next season, uh, which is one of his preferred destinations. So he could end up as a Sun. Uh, I know we have a couple, we have a few actually Suns fans who listen to this. I know it's uh, got to be who are all so, folks. Well, so. So shout out to you guys if that happens. I think we have like one or two jazz fans. <laughs> Who? <are? 
how do we have? I think jazz I think fans? like I like I think it's like one person who lives in in Utah mm. and like somebody else who like just grew up a jazz fan. Nice. Yeah, I would think I'd prefer to live in Phoenix. I don't think there were any Wolves fans though. There might have been, but like I don't I, I don't remember seeing a whole lot of Wolves fans. So at least at least he's getting closer to places where at least I know there's some Auburn fans that will follow. Uh, speaking, of, I know I'm deviating here, but don't the Rockets mm-hmm. have a whole bunch of uh, draft picks accumulated over the next few years, which should only help our sweet boy down there in, in Houston? Yeah, they've and like they're all unprotected too. They're they're loading up. By the way, speaking of Jabari Smith, Painter, he's going to wear number one in Houston. Now, part of the reason why he's wearing number one, I think, is because he can't wear number ten. That's Eric Gordon's number. Eric Gordon's been on the Rockets for quite a long time now. Sure, he could pay for that, but also Eric Gordon's a Eric Gordon's a dude who's been in the league for a while and has been with the Rockets for a while. But I also think that man's definitely like I'm wearing number one. I should have been the number one pick. I'm gonna let y'all know about it. That's definitely the vibe we're, he's giving off right now, right? When is the summer league game? I mean, he's got them like pretty much back to back, right? Between Paolo and Chet. Uh, yeah, it's 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 coming, coming up, up here up. real soon. Um, because I know the Warriors, the Warriors don't play the Vegas Summer League. They play that California League. It starts on Thursday, July the 7th. So next Thursday. And uh, that'll be a whole lot of fun to see. But yeah, Jabari wearing number one as a guy who wasn't the number one pick. He's going to look really interesting in a single digit number. It's going to be like when Durant switched to a single digit number and it's like, oh man, he looks even more lethal now. Mm. Like like when a when a tall dude, especially a tall dude who can shoot, Where's a single digit number? I mean, he looks like he looks like just a. It, it looks like a monster. I don't know why. It just it that's always kind of click. So number one will definitely fit him well, and uh, hopefully Walker will have a team long enough that he can get a number and maybe play play a little summer league ball or something like that. Have we buried the lead or did we do this in the proper order? I mean, we went Windhorse, no. so it segued nicely into the pro guys, but there was some actual like. You know, it's Auburn specific, Auburn basketball specific news. Yes, yeah. Let's talk schedule because uh, we haven't. So, the SEC schedule, the 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 roster of opponents that Auburn will play and where they will play them, has been revealed. We'll start with that, and then um, then we'll talk about the new the new addition to the non conference schedule. Um, so Auburn is playing. Uh, first off. They always play Alabama, Ole Miss, and Georgia at home. That's a home and road. That's a that's a permanent setup. Uh, now that will change here in the near future. Uh, their home and home opponents that they will have um, this year the teams they play twice: Texas A&M, but more importantly, Tennessee. So Auburn and Tennessee, you get two Auburn Tennessee games next season, one in Auburn and one in Knoxville. Right off the bat, Painter. This is what we want, right? We want we want more matchups with Tennessee, um, and that that you know you always play Alabama and Georgia multiple times. That's your real rivalries, but these basketball rivalries, Tennessee and the Kentucky, you got to have at least one of them as a home and home. And I think going back to Knoxville will be a lot of fun for Auburn um, after what happened there last year, trying to get some revenge. But also Auburn Tennessee games at home in the Pearl era have been through the roof in terms of atmosphere, almost like the Kentucky games. If I'm to believe that the league cares about money as much as it does, and I certainly believe it, then you would think that you would want Auburn and Tennessee and Auburn and Kentucky matching up as long as the coaches are who they are at the moment and they're continuing to recruit the way the way that they have been. Uh, this seems like a no-brainer. 
Uh, home games this year for Auburn. They will play Arkansas at home and Florida at home. That means no trip to Bud Walton or the O-Dome. Nice. That'll be helpful. Those were tough places to play last year. Uh, they host Mississippi State, and they host Missouri. So that's a flip from what you saw last year. Going on the road this year, teams that Auburn played at home this past year, um, they will go to Rupp and play at Kentucky, trying to, again, it's another shot to try to make some history and win at Rupp Arena. They go to LSU. Usually that's a really tough place to play. It'll be interesting to see what LSU looks like this year uh, with just a complete roster reset under Matt McMahon. Do um, we, if Auburn loses to Kentucky, do we get to say it just doesn't count? Well, I think I think the better thing is it's like, well, obviously Kentucky won because it's their Super Bowl. It's obviously the game they cared mm, about the most. Turn so that's that back on them, sure. Yeah. They go to South Carolina, which is a very big venue, um, and uh, Auburn's had really good success against South Carolina in recent years. Uh, and then Vanderbilt uh, get to go play in the Strange weirdest gym arena. in college basketball. Yep, and uh, usually a weird one for Auburn to play in. Yeah, uh, it's not that like they've is, had all this. You know, you think about Vanderbilt, but I don't think Auburn's record against Vanderbilt in Nationals is particularly anything to to write home about. No. Um, on top of that, we got news that Auburn has a new non-conference game added to their schedule. It's the Jalen Green Memorial Invitational. Auburn and Memphis back in Atlanta, State Farm Arena, December 10th. Uh, that was first reported by John Rothstein and then confirmed uh, by Auburn, I believe, the next day. That is on the schedule as part of the Holiday Hoops giving. Um, so Auburn back in Atlanta, which we thought was going to be the case. Auburn's going to Atlanta, not this season, but next season. They're going to play Georgia State up there in a two-for-one. That'll be fun to see. But you know Auburn's going to – you know Bruce Pearl's going to want to schedule a game in Atlanta at, at any given turn. Um, here it is. They they will play the Memphis Tigers. We'll see what Penny Hardaway and his staff and his, his team look like at that point. Uh, but that should be a fun one. It was a really fun one a while back when Auburn played Memphis uh, in a in a non con game. It was a really competitive game, I believe, in the twenty twenty season. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know auburn nebraska and atlanta was like auburn it was fun for auburn because they teed off on nebraska and it was like one of auburn's more impressive games of the year in terms of their offense this one i think it's gonna have some juice in it there's gonna be memphis fans in the building uh auburn's gonna bring a great crowd obviously that one's gonna have that one's gonna be fun i think this one's gonna be kind of more in line with like the neutral site games we've seen auburn play like uab against and in birmingham um should be should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad Auburn. I'm glad Auburn's going back to Atlanta for one and two. I, I'm glad they're playing an opponent that's got some got some juice to them. Uh, and as the as the never ending soap opera known as Penny Hardaway's Memphis Tigers uh, will roll into State Farm Arena on the 10th of December. So that should be a really good game. And that is right before Auburn hits the road to go play USC and Washington away from home. So that stretch, you know, when they when they when they leave Auburn during Christmas break. They are uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna be strapped up for war. I would I would imagine. Sweet, love it. It's Good work, really, Bruce. Proud of you for doing scheduling the fun way. It is a fun schedule. As I as I uh, as I tweeted um, a couple days ago, uh, here are the places we know Auburn's gonna play this year that aren't Auburn: Atlanta, Los Angeles, Seattle, Nashville, Cancun, Mexico, Baton Rouge, Knoxville, Columbia, Tuscaloosa, Athens, Oxford, Lexington, College Station. And Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, they could play in Boone, North Carolina. That's part of a thing that they're supposed to have. I, I, we haven't had any confirmation to that yet, but with that uh, two-for-one deal they had with App State, uh, 
Let's take an uh, observer trip to Morgantown. Shoot, I want to go. I I, I really want to go to. Um. I really want to go to Rupp. I've never been to Rupp. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and I would love to go to the West Coast. Um, we'll see. We'll see what prices look like. We'll we'll see. We'll see what it's like. And you know, that's where this is where I say I appreciate all of you guys who are um, observer subscribers because you're the guy. You're you guys are the ones that um, pay that let me go do this. And since the football season, all the road trips are very close this year. Might might make it a little bit easier for for, for the observer to hit the road for for some of these trips for basketball season because those were a lot of fun last season and and hopefully I can do a little bit more of them this year because I think the coverage is better I think the stories and the podcast are better after I'm in the arena um and heck it's just it's just more fun fun that way yeah it's just more fun that way uh, uh, but yeah, world world tour for Bruce Pearl, North American tour. Though they start in Israel. Yeah, I was going to say world, no. You could say world. That's appropriate. Yeah, they start in Israel uh, for the world tour. Um, but like like I said, like all those places that they just mentioned, um, getting a ticket to watch Auburn play in Neville Arena is tough. It's a tough ticket. And I know not all of you live around Auburn. They're going to a lot of places <laughs> th- th- this year, so um, you, you'll have your opportunities to go see them on the road, uh, especially if you live close to them, or even if not, even if you live live around here and just want to want to make some good trips i mean auburn goes to tuscaloosa athens uh oxford and starkville this year like that's it mike white and the georgia bulldogs right like that like that that's where they go in football this year so it's like not not a whole lot of exciting trips pre-bowl season for auburn so at least basketball season is loading up on the on the road trips so it'll be a lot of fun there yeah, you had a you had a podcast uh, about a month ago with our buddy Blake mm-hmm. ab- about um, about the SEC basketball. I'm interested what he thinks about just kind of the the vibes in the league. I mean, I went back and listened to that podcast, but um, like Auburn, Tennessee should be a whole lot of fun. I'm really interested in Auburn and A and M this year. I mean, obviously Auburn wants revenge after the SEC tournament loss, and that's they'll get two shots at A and M. A and M should be bringing a good bit of their dudes back this year. Referencing the mailbag again here, so right. apologies if you haven't yet read it, but or maybe more apologies if you already read it. Someone asked uh, a question about what it would take for you to ask Johnny Broom. What was the question about? Boy, you sure are tall. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have to say that before every one of my questions to him, or like the first five. And I said if we had 2,000 subscribers, I could do that. Um, y'all are gonna have to get really busy. If you want to get to these <laughs> Start telling subscribers. everybody. Start telling all your friends. Start paying for other people's subscriptions. Um, it would be a true joy to watch you have to ask that or God, say that. I guess so every time. <laughs> the first I, time would it, be the best. Obviously, I guess he'd start figuring out it was a bit. But the first time he would be like genuinely confused. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna make a miracle happen between now and then, go go for it. <laughs> like. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we appreciate all of you guys who do subscribe and do listen. Um, and those of you who uh, listen to these free ones on the weekends, like I said, you can rate, review, subscribe to our podcast feed. Also subscribe to the Auburn Observer, $6 a month or $60 a year. Appreciate you guys listening. I know we put, decided to put this out on Tuesday, uh, because, uh, of the weekend, the holiday weekend. Uh, we didn't want to bring your vibes down for the, for, you know, I, 
the thought of somebody playing this podcast on the 4th of July, like at a party was funny, but like, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. So yeah, hopefully everything we just said in this podcast isn't rendered obsolete by the big 10 adding FC Barcelona in, in the next couple of days. Uh, but we will be back later in the week. Uh, like I said on the podcast, our premium podcast, we hope to have one of our, one of our buddies who covers uh, national college football. We want to talk about like, okay, what is, what does all this mean? And what is this going to affect? How is this going to affect Auburn and the sec in the future? We're going to shoot to have that podcast here in the near future. We'll have newsletters throughout the week. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. That's all I've got painter with four points. Willis Reed was considered the hero of the New York Knicks win in game seven of the 1970 NBA finals. True or false. I mean, Willis Reed did the, like, he came out and uh, game seven, it was definitely a game seven. It's true. Like, I think, it, I, I'm, I'm wondering, though, I'm wondering, though, if this is, like, one of those trick questions where it's like, actually, it was the 1972 NBA Finals. But, no, like, yeah, he, Willis Reed had, like, the, the famous, you know, coming out of the, coming out of the locker room. Um, you are correct. An injured Reed was not supposed to play against the Lakers and did not participate in warm-ups, but hobbled onto the court, took the opening tip, and scored the first two baskets of the game. His teammates then picked up the scoring and won the first NBA title in team history. Shout out to Mr. Reed. He played Painter on a torn thigh muscle. Could you do that? Obviously. Obviously.